what I want to talk to you about is the times when God breaks you down. Sort of an unusual thing, isn't it? Because most of what we talk about with God is how he builds you up and he lifts you up and he saves you and he heals you and he, he does all these wonderful things for you. But what I want to share with you today is that when God breaks you down, it's for a wonderful thing. It's for a wonderful purpose. But if you don't recognize it, if you don't understand it, you will, uh, you will freak out. You'll have some bad reactions to things because when God breaks you down, it's not always pretty. It's not always fun. It's very humbling and it tests your faith and tests your trust in him. And it's in the Bible, it's in scripture. And some of the examples I like to go to is, is Peter and Paul. If you look at the life of Peter, he was a fisherman, a professional fisherman. And uh, from the very beginning, Jesus broke him down. Uh, he had been fishing all night long. Uh, he had caught nothing. He was a pro, right? He knew how to fish. He knew where the spots were and all that stuff. And yet he had caught nothing. He comes back into shore and he sees Jesus there. Doesn't really know Jesus, doesn't know a lot about him. He's about to find out. Jesus says, hey, go back out into the deep and uh, throw your nets out for a catch. And Peter uh, says, Lord, we've tarried all night long. We tried and nothing happened. But if you say so, I'll go out and do it. What was going through Peter's mind? He must have thought you knucklehead. Don't you know I'm a pro? Here you are. You come around here and you're trying to tell me how to do it. Uh, I'm a pro. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to throw the nets and bring them up empty and show you who really knows what they're talking about. Well, we know the story. He pulled up the nets and there was so much fish that the boat began to sink. He had to call help and their boats began to sink. And the only problem Peter had at that point is he didn't have a big enough boat for all of the fish. And when he came back to the shore, he looked at Jesus and he said these words, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinner. In that moment, Peter had been broken down. He thought he was the master. He thought he was the pro. He thought he knew what he was looking at. He thought he knew everything. But when Jesus came into his life, he broke him down and Peter began to see the reality of who he really was so that God could do something spectacular. See, Jesus didn't just leave him there. He said, Peter, come with me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And, and it, not only at salvation, but another time Peter was broken was when he was standing at the fire and Jesus was being about to be crucified. And he denied Jesus three times, and then the rooster crowed. And he remembered the words of Jesus. You'll deny me three times, Peter, before the rooster crows. And the Bible says that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. He had been broken down again. These are not fun experiences. These are not enjoyable experiences. I think of the apostle Paul, who before he came to Christ, he was called Saul and, and he was a Pharisee. He was a believer in the Jewish law. He didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. In fact, he spent his entire uh, time in ministry trying to destroy Christianity. He would go to cities and he would arrest people who were Christians. This is what he was doing on the road to Damascus. And, and here this proud guy, this sort of arrogant guy who had the education, he could see the world for what it really was. He could see Jesus for who he thought he really was, a charlatan, a fake, a phony. He's on the road to Damascus and the Bible says that Jesus knocks him down and he falls to the ground and he's blind and he hears a voice saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who is it, Lord? And he says, 
the, the voice says, it's Jesus whom you're persecuting. And Paul, the Bible says, is blind for three days and he cannot eat for three days. The guy that was once so sure of himself, so confident, so proud, had been broken down to the point that he could not eat. When God breaks you down, it's not always pretty and it's not only always fun. In fact, sometimes it can be downright dreadful. I've had some experiences in my life where I didn't know what was going on. Why would God let everything fall apart like it seems to be falling apart? And it was, uh, it was a point in my life where I was just completely anxious and wrapped up in fear because the foundations of my life had been rocked. The things that were familiar had been changed. Nothing seemed to be the same. And I didn't know at the time, but I know it now, that God was breaking me down. And there are some of you today, I feel like God is breaking you down. I feel like God is doing things in your life, shaking your world in such a way that the things you've relied on, you've stood on and are familiar to you are being shaken. They're being changed. They're being broken. And it's got you in a situation, in a mindset, in your emotions that you're fearful of what tomorrow brings. You don't even recognize your life now. And everything seems to be shattered in pieces on the ground. Sometimes God will break you down. Now, understand this. I'm not telling you every bad time you go through is God breaking you down. Sometimes we just go through bad times. And I'm not here to tell you that God stepped into your life and he caused divorce or death or, or financial problems or your church to close. I'm not telling you he did that. I'm telling you the, that our God is the God who works for good in the midst of all things for those who love him. In other words, when bad times and situations come our way, God gets in there and he starts breaking things up in our lives and laying the pieces down so that he can put us back together in such a way that we are better and more productive for the kingdom of God. I want to help you today. I feel like the church is being broken down in a lot of ways and the things that have been our foundation for being the church are being broken and I feel like the things that were once familiar to us are being changed. And the assumptions that it's always been this way and we'll always do it this way are being changed. And God is challenging us, breaking us down so that he can make us better for the future. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So today, if you're in this situation, you feel like this is you. I want to help you today with the help of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me. I want to help you today. Learn how to deal with this. Learn what you can do. Learn how to flow with what God is doing in your life, knowing, trusting, believing that tomorrow God's got a great thing for you. Praise God. So first I want to talk to you about the spirit and the flesh. We, we've talked about a lot about spirit, soul, and body. You remember that? A person is made up of spirit, soul, and body. And why I keep repeating that is because everything that has to do with your life goes through the filter of spirit, soul, and body. In other words, if you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, you won't understand what the Bible is trying to teach you. So let's, let's go through it again. You're made up of spirit, soul, and body. The spirit is the part of you that's dead until you accept Christ and are born again. Then your spirit comes to life. That is the part of you that is a new creature in Christ, perfected in Christ Jesus and perfect union with the Holy Spirit. You got that? The soul part of you is the internal part of you. That is your mind, will, and emotions. The part of you that relates to the world around you and people understand. It could be called your personality. And then, of course, there is your body. Now, when the Bible talks about the flesh, the spirit and the flesh, 
the flesh consists of the body and the soul, the parts of us that relate to the earthly realm. Now, not everything about the flesh is bad. Not all of your thoughts are bad. Not all of your emotions are bad. But when there are bad things that come through you, they come through the flesh, the soul, and the body because those parts of us aren't perfected yet, right? So when the Bible talks about the spirit and the flesh, the flesh is the soul, the personality, the mind and emotions of us and our body. And the spirit is deep down within us in union with the Holy Spirit. And it is our job as children of God to be vessels of the Holy Spirit, to be carriers of the Holy Spirit. And I want to read to you today uh, a great way that Paul uh, examples this. And it can help you realize how your life is, what your life is, how you exist as a human being. And this is in 2 Corinthians 4. And right now I'm just going to read verse 7. It says, for we have this treasure, that's the Holy Spirit, God within us, in earthen vessels. That's our fleshly selves. That's our mind, our will, our emotions, our personality, and our bodies. God wants to use your mind, will, personality, your bodies, so that they can be a vessel through which the Holy Spirit flows out into the world. You catch that church. You understand that? That's the purpose of our lives. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We are earthen vessels. In other words, the flesh part of us is still broken. It's not perfected yet. And so God, the way God works in the world right now is he's working through the church, right? Yes, the Holy Spirit works and, uh, and convicts and does things in, in the world, but most of the work of the Lord goes through the body of Christ. And we are the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit working through people, individuals, us as a group, the church. And so we are the vessels. When God wants to bless, he moves through his church to go and bless. When God wants to proclaim, he moves through his minister to proclaim. When God wants to share uh, love, he moves through his church to go and do. And so we become vessels of the Holy Spirit. The key is how are we shaped as a vessel? If we're shaped in such a way for a minute amount of flow, then we're not going to affect a lot of people. And Jesus is always working on your vessel. You got that? He's always improving you and reshaping you so that you can be more productive for the kingdom of God. And, and so I want to, I want to help you here today. Let's watch this and, uh, see uh, an example. This is just a regular old styrofoam cup. You can see right there. Just, it's got nothing in it, but we're going to pretend today. And uh, here's my picture. This, this represents uh, heaven's flow, and the water that we're going to pretend in here uh, is the Holy Spirit moving through the church, right? And so this is you. This is your vessel. And so what happens in our lives sometimes, whether it's our individual lives, and it can be church too, is that the vessel part of us can become out of shape, and built in such a way that it doesn't produce results. Jesus can't move through you. For example, if you as a person are always too busy all the time, you can't read the word, you can't share with people, then you've shaped your vessel in such a way that you're not able to be used by God. And very little is coming out of you. Come on, let that sink in. Uh, it can also be a situation where your vessel becomes too important. You place too much emphasis on the earthly, fleshly side of things now. So for uh, about 10 or 15 minutes before uh, we went online, I got my pen out and started doodling 
on the cup. Isn't that beautiful? It's a beautiful seascape. I know you guys didn't know I was an artist. Look at that. That is beautiful. I'm auctioning this off. <laughs> Five cents, whatever. I don't know. Um, but sometimes we spend so much time like we, we spend our lives trying to perfect the vessel. This happens in church a lot because church is just a vessel, right? We're a vessel of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the institution of church, the buildings, the, the way we dress, the mannerisms, the service order, the meetings, they can become so important and they can become the thing instead of the Holy Spirit being the thing. And we reach a place where uh, we're just kind of doodling on the vessel. We're just taking care of the vessel. It's so important that the church looks great and the sermon's just right and the people do everything just right and we have all of our bases covered. Everything is perfect. And, and all the while, we've given so much importance to the vessel when the truth is the vessel isn't really that important. What's important is the Holy Spirit that lives in the vessel. Come on. Are you hearing me today? And so sometimes when our vessel gets too important or out of shape, God has to break us down. In other words, God has to break down the fleshly side of our lives and our ministries and our churches so that we can be reshaped for his glory. Now, being broken down is not fun. It's painful. Some of the things that happen is the foundations of your life can be shaken and ripped out from underneath you. Here's the thing is that a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about today, you don't even realize it's happened until it's taken out from under you. You don't realize you're standing on a rug until it's pulled out from under you. You don't realize you're leaning on a wall until the wall is moved and you begin to fall. And when people start building their lives upon money and their own abilities and, and they trust in the systems of this world, listen, if this coronavirus quarantine hasn't taught you anything, it ought to teach you that you cannot rely upon the systems of the world to take care of you. You cannot rely. If you think that will never happen, this should have shaken your foundation and told you, yes, it can happen. And some people say, well, you know, the, the disease will never hit me. That virus will never hit me. And then we find out that family members have died. We find out that friends have caught it. Yes, yes, it can hit you. You cannot rely upon the doctor systems, the financial systems, the government systems. Those are foundations that in certain, certain situations will shake and rattle. And you will realize that you're not on solid ground, but you're on sinking sand. Oh, and it's no fun when those foundations are shaking. Fear sets in because you've learned to rely and trust on those things instead of on Christ. Yes, it's not fun when God breaks you down. There are times in your life when the things that are familiar to you, the assumptions about your life, the way it's always been is no longer that way. It will freak you out when you begin to realize that things are never going to be the same again. The things in your life that you just have taken for granted, it's always been that way. It's always going to be this way. We've always done it this way. We'll always do it this way. And all of a sudden, no longer does that apply. And it'll freak you out. It'll bring fear into your life. It'll bring a sense of dread as you face unfamiliar territory when your world is no longer the same. Oh, it's no fun when God begins to break you as a person down. You see, we get to this place where we shape our cup in such a way that it's about us. It's about our lives. It's about me. It's, it's my life for me. It's about me. Uh, everything I do and everything I, I, I 
uh, attempt to accomplish in my life is about me. We get to a place where that's what we're doing. We're accomplishing for ourselves. We're doing for ourselves. We're living for ourselves. It's about me. It's by me. In other words, I'm the one doing it. I'm like Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. Yes. I did it. I got it all going on. We like to say that when things are good, but when we fall apart, we wonder who else's fault it is. It's about me. It's by me and it's for me. That kind of self-serving mindset and attitude is the very kind that when you start to get that attitude as a Christian, God will begin to break you down. When it's no longer about Jesus and his kingdom and his purpose and his love for this world and your life begins to become like you, God will break you down. And we don't like it because it can happen drastically and suddenly. We'd much rather God just change things slowly, move a little things here and there. God, don't just completely wipe everything away. But listen, it's kind of like if I had a bunch of Legos and I built a big old giant airplane out of Legos and all of a sudden God wanted me to be a boat. You can't just move a few Legos and turn that airplane into a boat. You know what you got to do? Boom, you got to smash the whole thing, let them all fall on the ground, sort them all out and begin building the boat again. And that's what God is doing in your life right now. Oh, I'm sensing in the Holy Spirit that some of you are getting this today. You realize that God is going to do some new things in your life. You see, the reason that God breaks you down is to build you up the correct way. Now, be careful. I'm not saying that you are number one and you are God's number one in purpose. No. In fact, God will rebuild your cup, but it's not about the cup. God will rebuild your cup so that the flow of the Holy Spirit will flow through you better. It's really about the Holy Spirit. Are you catching that today? It's about the Holy Spirit in you. Amen. God wants you to be, uh, have a life in such a way that you begin to flow. And, and there are there are a couple reasons why God is breaking you down. Uh, one is because once again, you've become arrogant. You become, it's about me. It's about my life. It's about what I want. And when God becomes sort of the genie in the bottle that you just rub the lamp and he gives you what you want whenever you want it, uh, it's time for you to be broken down and rebuilt. It's time for you to be humbled and rebuilt. Amen. Another reason that God will break you down is because at this place in your life, God has done all he wants to do in you and he wants to take you to a new place, a new level, and he has to reshape you for that. He has to make you a bigger cup. He has to enlarge your territory. And so what he'll do is he'll begin to break you down. And one of the reasons he has to break you down is because if it's familiar and secure, we don't want to let it go. We don't want to let it go. We don't want to quit that job. We don't want to stop and start that new thing. We don't want to go to the next level because we like security and familiarity. So what God will do is he will break it all down so that you don't have either of those anymore. And the only choice you have is to give up or go forward with God. Some of you, God is preparing you for greater things in your life. He wants to do greater things in you. But the first thing he's going to do is break down everything that has been so that you can step into something new. I'm feeling that today. Amen. That is for you, child of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Can we just praise him for a moment? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, I just pray that people are getting this word right now, God. They're receiving this word by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, let it go into their spirits. Give them revelation, Lord, not just understanding with their ears, 
with understanding with their hearts in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. So if that's you today, like I said, you could be going through it now or it may be something you need to tuck away for the future. But let me tell you the things that you need to do when God begins to break you down. When you begin to sense that your Legos are scattered all over the floor. When you begin to sense that your cup is being reshaped for greater purpose. When you begin to th think and feel that God is humbling your life and, and making it less about you and more about Jesus. These are the things that you need to do. Number one, recognize what's going on. Don't always go to that victim thing. Oh, why me? Why has it happened to me? Why has every bad thing got to happen to me? Don't go straight to that. Come on. I'm going to let that sink in like a sponge in your spirit. You're not a victim, child of God. God's children are not victims. We are victorious through Christ Jesus, our Lord. <laughs> Praise his name. Praise his name. Praise his name. So don't think you're a victim recognize what's going on and don't have a knee-jerk reaction. Don't just uh, get freaked out and start making choices out of your emotions. Just let it sit for a while as God does his work. Amen. If God tells you to do something, do it. Obey him, but don't make drastic changes and don't freak out and don't abandon God or abandon your faith. Just hang tight as God does what only God can do in your life. Next thing you got to do is trust him. You got to trust that God knows what he's doing. You got to trust that he wasn't blindsided by this. He knows what's going on. He had a plan to bring things out. Once again, God is at work in everything for the good of those who are his children. Do you got that? No matter what your situation is, God is at work in it and something good is going to come out of it. Amen. So trust in that. Have faith in that. And, and trust means that God doesn't have to tell you everything. So stop asking God to tell you everything and just trust him. If God says, that's my business, just trust me. When you pray and you ask and he doesn't say anything to you, then just trust him. Another thing is go ahead and make plans, but don't write them in stone. You know, I found that uh, we like to, as human beings, we like to write our plans down and, and, and decide right now everything in the future. And I believe in that. I believe in making plans and I believe in having vision and declaring things. Uh, but the truth is along the way, God's going to take us uh, in directions we weren't ready for. And we've got to be open. So write your plans, but don't write them in stone. Be prepared for God to move you left, right, wherever he wants to take you, right? Uh, you may want to go straight across the Red Sea and God may take you 40 years through the wilderness to get you there, but he's got a purpose for it. Trust him. Trust him. Amen. Stay close to Jesus during this time. This is the key. And you know nothing else to do? Just stay close to Jesus. Read his word. Pray. Worship him. Get in the word. Stay close to Jesus. There's, there's, during this time, you're not going to feel like it. You're not going to feel like praying. You're not going to feel like praising him. But do it anyway. Thank God our feelings don't rule our Christianity, but the word of God does. So we're going to obey it and we're going to just stay close to Jesus through all of this. And you know what happens when we trust God and we don't freak out and we stay close to God? Pretty soon we begin to see what he's doing. And as we see what he's doing, what we can do is then begin to flow with that in our natural lives. We can begin to maneuver our cup, our mind, our will, our emotions, our bodies in such a way that we are now in line what God is doing now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to leave you with two stories from the Bible that are so important. 
You see, because uh, a lot of people might take this message to think, to mean that God is going to really make you better. In other words, the purpose of all of this breaking down and building up is about you. And it's really not. It's about Jesus. It's about how you can be a light and shine Jesus, how that you can uh, magnify him and how his spirit can flow out of you better. It's not really about you. It's about Jesus. He's the only one that deserves the glory. And, and some people might think, well, that's awful selfish of God. Well, um, let me explain it to you this way. To, to receive all the glory and all the honor means that if you're completely exposed and everybody knows everything about you, you are still worthy of their honor and glory. That they can come to you with every need, every problem, every challenge, and you are worthy of bringing that to them. Now, I want to ask you again, are you worthy of any glory? Do you really want your life exposed? Do you really want people to look at the depths of who you truly are on the inside and the mistakes that you have made and are going to make? Do you do you really think you're the one that they need to bring their problems to to solve, that you are the one who can fix their lives and help them? I don't think so. Mylon Avery doesn't need the glory. God needs the glory. And I want him to reshape my life whenever he sees fit for his glory and for his purpose. In fact, let's look at the word of God. I want to go through this with you today. Uh, go back once again to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 5 this time. And we're going to break this down. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as our Lord. In other words, it's not me, it's Christ Jesus. And when it starts to become about me, God needs to break me down. Come on. He needs to do a little humbling in my life. We don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus. And ourselves as your bondservants for Christ Jesus' sakes. In other words, we're just the servants of Jesus. It's not us we're talking about. It's Jesus. We glorify Jesus. We point you to Jesus. It's the water in the cup that matters, not the cup. For a thirsty world, the cup doesn't matter. It's the water that matters. It's Jesus that matters. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who shone in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Do you know that, that the beauty of Christianity is that we make mistakes? Do you catch that? He said, light comes out of darkness. Look at our lives, our mistakes, our frailties, our humanity. And out of that comes the light of Jesus Christ, comes the beauty and the glory of God. Oh, isn't that awesome? You know what that means? That means you don't have to be perfect for God to use you. In fact, your imperfection brings glory to God and not to you. Oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Then he says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? So that the surpassing greatness of the power of God will be from God and not from ourselves. <laughs> you know what happens when God breaks you down and now you're shaped for purpose and you're humble and it's no longer about you being number one? Jesus is the one people see. Jesus is the one who gets the glory. People can look at your life and say, you know what? It ain't him. It must be the God who lives inside of him. It's not her. I know her. That's not her. It must be the God that lives inside of her and they give glory not to you not to me but they give glory to God hallelujah hallelujah watch this he's not done we as God's children we were afflicted in every way but not crushed perplexed but not despairing persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed 
You know what that means? That means we live in a world where we go through things. We suffer things. We face things. We are not perfect, flawless vessels. We've got brokenness about us. We are not perfect. We've got brokenness about us. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. This stuff is so deep, man. I hope you get this. Carrying about in our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus. You know what that means? That means that we are continually uh, crucifying our own flesh. We're, we're slowly destroying my will and it being my way and my glory and my selfishness so that the resurrection of Jesus, which is truly Jesus, right? It is who the world needs. The resurrection of Jesus can come out of our lives for we are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Wow, I hope you got that. Wow. We are constantly looking in the mirror and seeing brokenness and, and weakness and emptiness. And, and we think, man, God, I wish you'd fix me. Listen, that's when God uses you the most. When you're broken the most, that's when God uses you the most. Paul said, it's in the times that I am weak that God becomes strong for his grace is all that I need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you catching this today? God wants to break you down so that your vessel can be reshaped so that he flows through it. Now I want to tell you something. When God reshapes your vessel, don't expect a perfect vessel. In fact, you will remain broken in a lot of ways. In fact, I want to tell you today that you are better when you're broken. Let's get back to my two stories. One is the story of a little boy who was in a crowd of people. They were following Jesus, and he had been given lunch, some loaves and some fishes. And we know the story how the Jesus made all of the people sit down in groups of 50s, and he asked what we have to feed them to the disciples, and they said, Lord, it would take a year's wages to feed this many people. There were 5,000 men in their families one time, and there were 4,000 in their families the next time. And so we're talking about multiple thousands of people. And they said, Lord, we've got a kid here who's got a few loaves and a few fish, and that's all we got. He said, bring it to me. Bring it to me. And he took the bread, and the Bible says this. Watch this. He blessed it, and he broke it. And when he broke it, they began to distribute. And what we find is that the broken bread is the bread that meets the need. It is the bread that does more than it could have ever done before. Some of you, God is going to break your bread. He's going to change you in such a way that you'll be able to reach and produce and accomplish more than you ever could on your own. Yes, you want God to bless you. Yes, that's what we all want. God bless me. But along with being blessed, God's going to have to break you. He's going to have to break you and divide you up and prepare you. And the broken you will do more than you by yourself like it is. I know you enjoy the security of where you are. I know you enjoy the foundations that you've had and the things that are familiar in your life, but God is shaking your world and breaking things up so that you can do more than you've ever done before. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The second story is of a woman who came to a place where Jesus was and she had an expensive jar, a container of oil. And the only way to get this oil out was to break it. 
And so the Bible says that she took this expensive jar of oil and she broke it and she began to anoint Jesus. And Jesus said, she's anointing me for my burial. And I want you to notice that something about this story is that the oil represents the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit can't flow in a vessel that's not broken. You see, when you and I act like we got it all together, you and I feel like that we don't need any help and we're doing it fine just on our own, then God can't get through that. He can't meet the need that way. We've stopped the flow. You see, the Holy Spirit flows when our vessel is broken. Times in my life when I've been the most tender and sensitive to the Holy Spirit and tender and sensitive to other people is when I've gone through it. And when I can relate to what they're dealing with and the problems they're having and I understand the emotions that they're going through, it's then that the Holy Spirit flows out of my life. Listen, I want you to know, God is breaking you so that the Holy Spirit will flow through you. And he wants you to remain broken in that way. He wants you to remain soft and caring and compassionate. The Bible says of Jesus, we don't serve a God who's not touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but he came to earth and he lived a life like we live and he felt the hurt we feel. He felt the pain we feel. He felt the temptations we feel. That's the basis for ministry, folks. And so if you want to reach your world, you've got to be broken that way. You have to taste their tears and feel their pain and understand their hurts, which means you're going to have to be broken. People aren't, aren't lifted and ministered to from above, but from beside. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, are you getting this today? I hope that God is speaking to you and you're understanding why you're going through what you're going through, why the church is going through what it's going through, why the ministry is going through what it's going through. Listen, it's because the Holy Spirit is breaking you down so that he can shape you for greater flow, for maximum impact, so that he can humble you under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for your people out there today, God. Lives who are being broken down. People whose foundations have been shaken. Everything familiar has changed. They realize they've been living about themselves, all for me, about me, by me, for me, God. And you are breaking that down in their lives, Lord. I pray that they recognize what's going on, that they get real revelation of it, God. And that they would not live in fear, Lord, but that they would trust you that they wouldn't freak out and make some quick and crazy decision, but they would relax in you and trust you, God. And they would begin to stay close to Jesus now more than ever. Father, Lord, and I pray, God, that they would make plans, but that those plans wouldn't be set in stone, that they'd be open to what you're doing, open to new things, and wouldn't just live in the past and rely upon the past, but open to new things, God. And as they begin to see what you're doing and what you're building, they would begin to flow with what you're doing, God. Trust in what you're doing. And they would always see themselves as vessels for the master. That they would all them, always see themselves as it not being about me, but about Jesus. God, I pray for our churches today. I pray for Austin Alive Church. I pray for every church, God, out there today. That we would stop making it about us, about our buildings and about our, our budgets. We'd stop making it about us, Lord, about how beautiful things are, how great the sermon was, how popular the pastor is, how many likes we got on Facebook and what an audience we have. I just, uh, I repent of that, God. I pray that other people would repent of it being about us 
And Lord, that we would once again make it about you, Jesus. Shape me for wherever you want me to be, God. Use me however you want to use me, because it's not about me, Lord. Less of me and more of you, Jesus. Shape our church that way, God, that it would be about Jesus Christ and him crucified. That they wouldn't remember us, but they would remember you. That they wouldn't turn to us, but they would turn to you in Jesus' name. I thank you for it, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord.